Praise the Lord. Amen. We're grateful for your giving. Grateful for all of you who are with us. And I didn't want to single out anyone, but I see her walking around hugging people. So can we give a good bless you to Sister Clyde Dada? Woo! God bless you. My goodness. A DT staple from way back. And so it's so good to see you. And your daughter, I ain't gonna leave you out, your daughter back there. But all of you who, who are, who are here, and I just appreciate you. Um, before we, we, we move on, I, I just wanna, uh, I'm gonna get into the message in just a second, but last night I came over here to do something with the cameras, and they were partying over there, uh, and kinda looking like they were enjoying themselves. And I just decided I was gonna walk over there and, I spoke to a few people, and I just felt like it was time to go. I, I talked about six or seven people, and I left. It wasn't nothing necessarily, but just wasn't my atmosphere. But I've seen so many young faces that as I was walking and talking and leaving, I was praying. Because I just had a simple thought. At the time I was there, everything was nice. Everybody seemed happy. But there's so many people on top of each other. I felt like if this turns, it's not going to be very pretty. And so I was, I went home. I think I got home about 1230. I probably stayed there about 10 minutes. Like I said, I know my atmosphere. And that wasn't my atmosphere. But as I got the news, I was just, of course, bothered. But I got to thinking, from what I saw, it could have been way worse than what it was. It should have been way worse than what it was. And I'm not saying that my prayers didn't did that change the situation. I'm not saying that they didn't. But I will say, when we go out, whatever we're doing, we have to remember who we are. And wherever you are, if you can, you ain't got to be throwing oil on people, but you got to learn how to say prayers where you are because life changes in an instant. So just be mindful, being mindful. I want to remind you to be mindful of that when we're going out. We definitely don't want you to be a stuck up church where you can't have fun. You can't enjoy yourself. But two things. Number one, know your atmosphere. Number two, Whatever atmosphere you're in, pray. Pray. And then then leave it up to God. And whatever happens afterwards, pray. And if people need us as a church, we don't have to talk about all what they should and shouldn't do. Sometimes we just got to love people and help them. But hopefully, hopefully one day the crowd that I see trying to have fun is the same crowd that's trying to get in these doors one day. Amen. And not for a funeral, getting in the doors just to worship the Lord. All right, let's bow our heads. We're going to uh, pray, and then we'll go right into the Word of God. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, God, I ask that you would bless the Word. God, more than that, I ask that you would bless uh, our city, God. So many great things happened this weekend, and then it ended with a just tragedy. So God, just help us to work through that and give us the wisdom we need to do as members of this church and as believers of what we need to do to help our community. And God, I ask that you would cause us to pierce the darkness in every way that we can. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. All right, with your Bibles in your hands, you can repeat after me. And go ahead and do it with a little force this morning. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Amen. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. 
We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Amen. Come on, give God's praise this morning. One other thing that I'll, I will share, like I said, I'm, or I normally don't like to call people out, but I think this is a good time to do it. I will share one other thing. It's been a while since my goddaughter, Sister Jossie, is with us in person, so I'm glad to have her with us. Amen. But what I want to celebrate, she's with us as a fiancé. She got, she got a ring on her finger. Amen. So we thank God for God moving and touching. And hopefully he's in the neighborhood. Hopefully she's not the only one. Someone else could say that, hey, I'm, it's my turn coming next if that's what you want. Amen. And some of y'all men, instead of playing with all these women, you should pick one and go ahead and put a ring on it. Amen. That's enough of that. All right. Let's give us the title of today's sermon. Simple. Welcome back. Welcome back. Many people this weekend probably heard that term. Welcome back. We call this our back to Muncie homecoming festival reunions. And so even if you didn't hear those words that that was supposed to be the atmosphere is a welcome back atmosphere, a welcoming atmosphere. And it's beautiful to be in an atmosphere that's welcoming, especially if you were there once before and you've gone away and you come back and people are happy to see you. It has that welcome back feeling. So let's let's give us a definition of the word welcome and then we will track through the sermon. So greet someone arriving in a glad, polite, friendly way. Let, let's uh, p- put the camera on me for just a second. I, I'm not going to go to the second one. I guess I'm in the mode of just picking people out. But I, I'm grateful. We, we're, we're a church. We don't get everything right. But I'm grateful that we get our greeters right. Because when y'all come in the door, y'all get welcomed. They're polite. They smile. They open the door. They, 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 they make you feel like they want you to be here. Now, now I love the old church, but sometimes growing up in the old church, them ushers was a little rough. Do you even want me here or not? I just walked on the premises. Take that gum out your mouth. Wait, wait a second. So I'm grateful for that, but, but that's not just a, a funny thing to say. It's, it's an attitude. It's a mindset to be welcoming and kind. Is your presence welcoming and kind? All right, let's go back to the definition. So I'm going to read the the first one again, and then we'll go to the second one. Greet someone arriving in a glad, polite, or friendly way. Two, react with pleasure or approval to an event or development. In other words, when I just said that Sister Jossie became a fiancé, and I said maybe... Other people can receive that as well. Someone might say, I welcome that. I welcome that event. I appreciate that possibility. So the thing that I'm pointing out is that when you are in a welcoming environment in the church, when the, when I begin to preach about promises and what God could possibly do, it makes you feel like, yeah, I welcome that in my life as well. One of the things about a church is it's supposed to be a community that when you see someone else doing well, it doesn't make you jealous. It makes you think, oh, if God will do it for them, I welcome them doing it for me as well. And it also should make you be in such community that it makes you want to ask the person, how did you do that? And would you help me do that as well? Uh Still calling people out, Sister Anitra um, Montgomery asked me something personally uh, that would I help her with, and I was so happy to do it. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to help her with this particular thing. And what I'm happy about is that I'm not just a pastor that only preaches to you. The stuff that I talk about, I want to, if you come to me, I want to help you do it. I want us to do life together. 
Amen. When I eat, I want you to eat. And I'm not talking about physical food. But if I'm blessed and you're not blessed, I'm a poor pastor. Let's get blessed together. So welcome is, 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 is a good thing. Having said that, I'm going to take a little turn and we're going to go to Luke 15. It's going to be 11 through 32 in the New Living Translation. And before we do that, I'm going to give us a little background by bringing up this uh, slide here. Luke 15 talks about three major things. It talks about one, the lost coin, two, the lost sheep, and three, the lost son. So Jesus, is it, it's one of his uh, great sermons. We have the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of his great sermons. This is another one of his great sermons. And he's laying things out. But the thing about the first two in the lost coin and the lost sheep is those things were lost accidentally. But when you get to the lost son, the lost son was lost on purpose. It's easy to welcome someone back when they accidentally lost their way. It's harder to welcome someone back who did what they did. On purpose. There's one little kid couldn't say purpose well. He would say on purple. You did that on purple. Some folk do stuff to you on purple. And it's a little harder to welcome them back. That's when your love has to kick in. Because everybody happy to see you, but I ain't so happy to see you. Because last time I saw you, you borrowed some money from me and I ain't seen you since. And everybody's welcome. Do you see so-and-so? Yeah, I see so-and-so. But that's when your love's got to kick in. So, so Jesus begins to tell a parable. He begins to tell a story. He tells three, but the last one is a little different. And so we know it as this. Go ahead and put it, put it up. We know it as this. Back up. We know it as the parable of the lost son. But if you are in church, especially from the King James Version, you know it as... The prodigal son. Everybody say prodigal son. Before we move on and read, setting it up just a little more, I want us to put up a definition of prodigal, just so you know how it became known as that. Once, a prodigal means that spending money or resources freely, reckless, recklessly, wastefully, extravagant. Two, having or giving something on a lavish scale. So in our offering confessions, we've been confessing this for the last month or so. We've been talking about that God doesn't really want to bless what we are wasting, what we are hoarding, what we are not stewarding well. So this is a story of a son who's prodigal because he was spending in a way that was unwise. But as we dig into it, we'll understand that it was deeper than just the money. Somebody say it's deeper than just the money. All right, let's look at Luke 15, 11. Go ahead, Mother Mitchell, and uh, begin to read there. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. All right, let's go on. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now what's interesting about this is if you know ancient Israel and ancient history, this was a slap in the father's face. It would even be a slap in your face now. It's like saying, I know you have a will, but I'm not going to wait for you to naturally die. Forget the will, give me my money now. And so he had to divide the money between the two sons. He had to interrupt the whole thing. In other words, I don't care about the relationship with you, Father. I care about what you can give me that belongs to me. Now, what's interesting is he was living with the Father, being provided for by the Father. And only immature people want to leave a place where you're provided for and do things on your own. See, when you, when you're 15, 16, I can't wait to get on my own. But when you're 30, you realize that that was a rush that you didn't have to rush into. Because when I opened the refrigerator, stuff was just there. When I turned on the light, the light just came on. 
When, when I needed a ride, I didn't have to Uber nowhere. Somebody always took me where I wanted to go. But when you get a little older, you realize it's a little different. But this was a young man that says, I want my stuff now. Don't really care about you. And I don't really care about your life. I just want what belongs to me. Nothing wrong, wrong with getting what belongs to you. But when you get what belongs to you out of order, it can cause a lot of damage. All right, let's move on. Verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Not at the end of the year, I'm going to move. It said a few days later. He packed up and was gone. So he, he, he really didn't care about the relationship he had with his father at all. But then it says something that he wasted all his money in wild living. Let, let, let me pause and say this. I'm not talking to y'all because y'all church folk and y'all, y'all do everything right. But when, when you get caught up in your flesh, you put money on stuff that don't mount to a hill of beans. You waste money on stuff. I, I, I never understood people living in poor conditions but have rims on your car might be possible that you take the money out the rims and put it in your living situation because it's it's harder to raise a family in a car than it is in a house but when you're young and dumb you want everybody to know what you got see if you can't come to my house and see all my nice stuff then I got to put all my stuff, nice stuff on me so you can see. But the older you get, you realize how wasteful that is. Because the people who compliment you in your face will turn around and talk about you and say, you think you better than me. You buying stuff to impress people that don't care about you anyhow. But not only that, then it's addictions, waste money on addictions. It's a lot of stuff that, that we get into wasteful habits, especially when we don't understand maturity. And this young man didn't understand maturity, and so he leaves in three days. And the Bible says he goes to a distant land. I want to get as far away from my folk as possible. But when you get away from your tribe, you really don't know who to trust. And so then you end up wasting money on people that you thought was your friend. You know what? They, they, they say gold digger and they're talking about women. But do you know women and men gold dig? You, you ain't got to date somebody for them to take advantage of you. Some of y'all men got friends and you always buy the drink. You always buy the weed. You, you drive everybody around. You always fill up the gas tank. But when it's your turn, you can't find them same people. You find out who your friends are when the money run out. Let's continue to read. Verse 14. Boy, look at that. Right on top. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Now, here's a problem. His money ran out, but then something else happened in the economy that made things even harder. Now, if you can see the future... And you can see that gas is getting ready to shoot up to 450. You might not buy the $300 pair of Jordans. But now gas is $2 and you can fill up your tank for 20. It feels good. You buy all the Jordans you want. But then when things turn and they lay you off and now you got to drive on the other side of town. Sometimes you wish you didn't make the decisions you make because life doesn't always show you the future. And so while he was spending all his money enjoying himself, what he didn't know, a famine was on the way. And so the famine showed up the same time he ran out of funds. And the Bible says he began to starve. All right. Perfect storm. Let's look at verse 15. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Wow. Now, he's going from it looks like a very kingly situation. Now, he's all way down here. Now, one rapper says, we, we started on the bottom. Now, we here. 
Well, he got to flip it around. I started on the top. Now I'm here. But I will give the brother credit. He persuaded somebody to let him work. This is what I need you to understand. Sometimes while your child is disassociating himself from you, some of that stuff you trained them in still kicks in when they need it. Let's look at verse 16. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Mm, it's, a, it's a switch. It's a quick switch where I'm being provided for. I have everything available to me. And now I'm on my own. I've got nothing. And what I'm feeding the pigs actually looks appetizing to me. See, when people tell you they're not hungry, uh, let's, let's say uh, they, you, you offer them beets. And they say, no, nah, I don't want them beets. I, well, I'm not hungry. No, they still have choice. When you still have choice, you're not starving. See, when I have a choice, I'm not getting chickens. When I have a choice. If you're going to buy me a meal and you say I can pick anywhere I want to go, I'm not picking McDonald's because I have a choice. But when you get low enough and starved enough, certain things look appetizing that shouldn't look appetizing. Let, let me take it out of the food situation and bring it home. home. It, in, when you get lonely enough, the man that didn't look good, he's still ugly, but I like the way he walk. He do smell good. When you start starving, things look appetizing that shouldn't look appetizing. And here's what the devil tries to do. He tries to make us make decisions that gets us out there where we're starving. Because when you're starving, you do things you normally wouldn't do. You take people in the crack epidemic that did things that they never would have done. But the addiction was driving them to do things. They had, they had one reputation, and now they call them a crackhead. But that's not what they wanted to do. But the addiction starved them, and they did stuff they didn't want to do. So here's this young man, and, and we don't really know the age, but all we know is he's out there with the pigs, and what the pigs is eating starting to look good to him. Let's look at verse uh, 17. When he finally <clears throat> came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. King James says when he came to himself. New Living says when he came to his senses. Here's the first point that I want to make. Welcome back. Number one, welcome back to your senses. It's hard to get things to work right when you're operating without sense. But I don't always judge people operating without sense because sometimes they got to wake up and come to their senses. Because, like I said, you do things you normally wouldn't do when you're not functioning in the right mind. And what the devil is trying to do, and we talked about it last week with artificial intelligence, he's after our mind, the battlefield is our mind. And there are some people, they're good people, but their mind is in a place where they're making decisions that they normally wouldn't make. And so what I want to say is welcome back. I want to welcome you back to your senses. All of you who are waking up in your mind and you're waking up to previous choices and you're waking up to what you used to do. And we're not here to dog you for what you used to do, but you're coming to your senses. And some of y'all are realizing, I could do bad by myself. I, I, in other words, I really don't have to take this. This isn't the only relationship in town. This isn't the only job in town. This isn't the only, let me turn the curve, this isn't the only church in town. I really don't have to be at a church where I get dog from the moment I show up to the moment I leave. That, that There are people who would welcome me with love. In other words, I'm settling for less than because I haven't come 
to my senses. But there is a great waking up with the people of God where their senses are waking up and they're saying, I, I can do better than this. I can have more than this. I, I, I don't always have to be in this state. I may be in this state right now, but something in me says this is not the best that I can do. So I'm beginning to hope for, look for, and reach for a higher level. But it takes you waking up to your senses. All right, all right, let's let's move on. Let's look at verse 18. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Time out. When a child wants to apologize, they don't really woke up. Because a lot of people want to come back, but they want to skirt around the issue. But there are some things that are so egregious. We can't skirt around the issue. And he knew that. I, I, I'm going to go back home to my father, and I'm just going to be honest. I see. This wasn't you. This was, this was me. All right? And then he said, I sinned against both heaven and you. All right, let's look at this next verse, verse 19. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I, I'm working with the pigs. But my daddy's workers, they do a little bit better than this. If I got to humble myself and eat crow, I might as well eat crow with somebody I know they've proven to care for me. Yeah. These other folk, I, I, I really don't know who I am to them. Let, let, let me be honest to some of y'all, and that's why... I encourage you, those of you who are entrepreneurial, everybody's not entrepreneurial, so I'm not asking all y'all to run and quit your jobs. I'm, I'm not telling you to do that. But some of y'all are entrepreneurial. And what I want to encourage you to know is the corporate world sees most people as just a number. So if you're in a place that keeps devaluing you, never treating you right, the moment you have an issue, it's a problem. I, I didn't work for you three straight years. I have one issue and they told me I'm about to write you up. Sometimes you can do better than that. Now, if you can't, I don't, don't, don't you tell nobody Andre told you to quit your job. That is not what I said. But for some of y'all, you are, you, you don't know the gift you have inside of you. So you settle for so much, but once you start waking up, you the scales come off your eyes and you start realizing some of this stuff I ain't going to take. Now, I've been at General Motors 26 years. I ain't leaving until they push me out. And when I mean push me out to miss my retirement age. But I've learned around over time, there are some stuff you can't make me do. What they like to do is they like to get you to do your job and the other person's job. Because you're a pastor and you're kind and the other person is lazy. So instead of making them do their job, I'll just get Andre to do his job and their job. But that's against the rules. I may be kind and I may be a pastor, but there's some stuff I don't have to take. And when you learn that, your life begins to shift and change some stuff I'm just not putting up with anymore. The book stops here. Uh-oh, let me, let me walk lightly because this is very lightly. Sometimes in your marital covenant relationships, there's some stuff that you don't have to take. I'm not asking, then once again, I didn't tell you to quit your job and I didn't tell you to get divorced, so don't put that on me. But Sometimes your spouse is taking you for granted. And you just always do and always give. And they expect you to always be there. Sometimes you either you need to have a conversation or just politely pull some stuff back. Where the home cooked meal? Well, when's the last time you thanked me for the home cooked meal? I left you a $5 McDonald's coupon. I love you too. Wait a second, because you can start taking things for granted. And then you can start taking people for granted. And let me tell you from the single people I talk to, 
They say dating nowadays is a booger. So if you got somebody that's good, you better learn how to love the one you're with properly. Let me tell you, like Lady Devin said, Lady Devin said, and I'll paraphrase, she said, uh, don't let back to Muncie, don't let an ex-boo make you mess up who you got right now. And she went ahead and she posted it on Facebook and it was, it was powerful. The only thing I didn't like is before I went to the block party, she told me that personally. I'm like, wait a second. Why? Wait a God spoken to you, but leave me out of it. But as I was walking and hugging and shaking hands, I had a little voice in my ear. Don't mess up what she got at home. And some people, they mess up because they know the person always going to take them back. But sometimes you got to make up in your mind, I, I, I woke up. You ain't the only man in town. You ain't the only woman in town. So you need to start treating me with the respect that I deserve because everybody's not going to do what I do. Everybody's not going to act how I act. Let, let me pause just for a second. Let me talk to you just for a second about my wife. My wife. My wife, obviously, she's looking good. She's always looked good to me, but she's working on her body goals, looking even better. But one thing I never worry about, I work midnight shift. I don't ever worry about, I'm going to hear my wife's name in the streets. Also, your wife was in so, such and such face, in his face. I don't got to worry about that because I know who she is. I know how she functions. Half the time, she don't want me in her face, let alone somebody else so why would I trade that in for some fast woman who could never be a first lady mm. she might be good in bed but she could never be a first lady so why would I trade it in you gotta wake up and think some of this stuff you just haven't thought it through long enough you about to trade in a pot of gold for some fruit snacks my lord you went from Kroger to great value real quick and so you got you got to learn, and that, that goes for the men too. I talk about it from the other way around because many times, especially in 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 the circles that I've dealt with, it's a lot of times the the women being done wrong by the men. But y'all women are sneaky too. Goes both ways. Sometimes your man is being taken for granted because he always is providing, always is doing. So just whatever I'm. Uh, the point I'm making is we got to wake up to our senses, like this young man did. All right, let's let, let's move right on along. Let's. Let's go to point number two. So here's a next point of welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to your humility. See, he ran away pridefully and went to a distant land, wanted to do things his own way. But when he woke up and came to his senses, he also came back to his humility and said, I need to go apologize to him. I, I, I know y'all saved and God has forgiven you. But just think back. Who do you really need to apologize to? Now, you may not have to because you, you, you may be waking up old stuff. So you need to start walking apologetically. You, you, you may not go and tell them all you did, but you ought to walk in an apologetic manner, knowing how you really did them. And this is what happens, this is what happens in church. See, folk do people wrong in church. Now, you know you lied on. You know you talked about them. And maybe you didn't know it was a lie until you found out later that what you was passing on was not the truth. So maybe you don't want to go to their face and say, hey, I was talking about you. But you ought to do something. Maybe just go over there and shake some money in the hands and say, God bless you, sister. Only you and God know what you're doing. You know you had their name in your mouth and you need to have an apologetic manner about yourself. Because you're showing to God, I know I was wrong. They may not know I was wrong, but I know I was wrong. Mm. Talked about your pastor like a dog. I'm, of course, none of y'all. Y'all wouldn't do that. But talk about him like a dog. And then come back and, woo, I love my pastor. 
don't know any different, but God knows different. So God said, uh-huh, go ahead and shake some money in his hand if you really love him. Well, I don't know about all that. Well, you talked about him like a dog. Why don't you, why don't you make up? So, so learn how to move. So he, he got back to his humility. Let's, let's move on. Let's look at verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. My goodness. So the father who was done wrong saw him a far way off before he got back home. Before he returned, the father had already saw him. So the question that I ask myself and many scholars have asked, how many days did that father go to that road and look and wonder, is this the day? He going to return. How, how many days have you had somebody in your life that you know you've given a lot of rope to and they haven't done you right, but in your mind you say, God, is this the day they return? Is this the day they act right? See, that's a different level of compassion because he had a right to shut the sun off, but he had compassion. And the reason why I bring this up is because the last part of our vision statement, it says we communicate Christ's love compassionately. So there's a possibility there's some folk out there and in here that may have done us wrong and we're going to let it go. Well, but Pastor, you just told me to wake up in my senses and stand up for myself. But sometimes you stand up for yourself and God says, love them anyhow. Welcome them back anyhow. They, they, they know they messed up. It, it don't need to making them grovel, making them bend down and kiss your ring. No, no, they, 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 they're coming back. So what we gonna do, we gonna, we gonna embrace them. And the reason why I say that is because of what's going on in our world. Many of them have so many hangups and issues and traumas. They don't know what they, what to do. So some of them, they just go ahead and come to the church. And when they come to the church and get beat up at the church, it confuses them. So when they come to the house of God, we know they messed up. You can look at them and tell them messed up. Many times the drugs that they've had in their system, their minds don't even operate the way they should. So we're not here to dig into all their past. We're here to welcome them back because we're trying to communicate Christ's love compassionately. Compassion, what compassion means is a lot like empathy. I may not have been where you are, but mentally I step in your shoes. And if it was me, how would I want somebody to receive me back? And some of y'all can be like the song, it was me. Outdoors, with no food and no clothes, without another number. It, it, it was me. So, so some of y'all know how to help people. And this is what I'm afraid of and what I worry about is I worry that God can't use Christians who've never been through anything because they don't have the compassion. So he has to grab the broken folk because broken people understand brokenness when they see it. But I don't want everybody to have to go through brokenness in order to love people. But the Christians that I've been dealing with, many of them are so caught up and so haughty, they have to fall so they can help somebody else. But I hope we all don't have to fall in order for us to love. I don't want to have to go through adultery to love an adulterer. I don't want to have to get further addicted to love somebody that's addicted. I want to wake up to my senses, but I also want to be like the Father. Whoever will, I want to welcome them home. Not just in back to Muncie week, but if you walk through those doors, I want you to be welcome. Some, some people were uh, giving me praise and uh, accolades because I preached the funeral for a, a man the other day. But anybody know the man, I won't say his name, but anybody know the man, he was a gay man. And they talked about how much they appreciated the way I preached his funeral. But I... I, I did life with him, and he was saved. Now, I, I'm not. I'm not talking about what ha what had happened in his life. I'm talking about I watched the fruit. He had the fruit of salvation, so I 
preached it not because of his sexual orientation. I preached it because I did life with him and I knew he loved the law. And everybody that loved the Lord don't always get it the way we want them to get it. But when they had their last breath, we want them to say because they crossed past the deliverance temple, they went on the elevator up instead of the elevator down. So because of that, that means we got to be accepting of all people. We can't have a block and say, no, you can't come in here. You can't be here. You can't do this. Now, we don't want to let things go rampant. We don't want things to switch and turn. But if people want to be welcomed, we need to be like the Father and welcome them back. Well, you got to tell folk that they're wrong. The father knew the son was wrong, and we don't see him talking about how wrong he was. He just said, welcome back. Because here's the thing, the wrong that they get in, it beats them up so much that they learn their lesson. All you're there to do is to welcome them back. I would tell you more about me and his personal relationship, but it was personal. But, but there's some things he said to me. Years ago, he, he told me years ago, he said, if I ever die, I want either your dad or you to preach my funeral. He said, because I know a lot of preachers, but y'all never treated me any different. And he got really sick. He said, if I ever get well, I want to come through the doors of Deliverance Temple. Then he asked me this one question. He said, I know you and your dad have never treated me any different, but if I come through the doors, will the people look at me funny? You know what I said? I wanted to say no. I said, I don't know. I teach him not to, but I don't know what's in people's hearts. But as long as you know I love you and God loves you, you can come through those doors. So I hope y'all won't make people feel funny. But if you do, let me say it this way. I run the show. And God, if God accepts them, that's all that matters. But what's so beautiful, I worship with some loving folk. And guess what? I know y'all would love them too. All right. Let, let's, let's keep on going. I, I want to move because it's a little hotter in here than normal, so I want to keep us going. Let's go to verse uh, 21 or wherever we were next. I'm sorry. I don't know where we were. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. This is how far... In his mind, he has fallen. Now, what I like about him, he said in his mind, I'm going to go back and apologize. And then he did it. Some people, they say, well, well I, I, I need to apologize. But then when they get to it, they they change stuff a little bit. You ever had somebody to act like they was apologizing to you and by the time they get done talking, it was all your fault? I'm like, well, I thought she was, <laughs> I thought she was telling me, you know. But no, that's not what he did. He was just saying, listen, I'm not even worthy to be your son. Let's Let's continue to read verse 22. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. My God, he's welcoming, welcoming him. Let's, let's look at verse 23. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Hold on. When they talk about a fattening calf means They've been feeding a calf for a special purpose. In other words, they've been letting this, like, like, let me give you an example. When, when you eat hamburger meat at McDonald's and you eat it at a fine steakhouse, it's different because of the way they treat the calf. They'll tell you this has been dry aged. We, or this is wagyu beef or wagyu cow is treated entirely different. But it's only treated that way to kill it later for a special purpose. So the Bible doesn't say that he was fattening the calf for the son. But it gives us the connotation that maybe they was preparing just in case they come home. I, I don't know if he's coming home. But I'm getting ready just in case. And then he said, quick. In other words, they were preparing to welcome him. That they knew that one day he might wake up. And if he wake up, he's not coming back to a whole bunch of judgment. We about to throw a party. 
Let, let me stop and say this. The reason why the world has to party so much out there, because we don't know how to party in here. We come in here looking like we're sucking on sour lemons. I'm blessed and highly favored. You don't look like you're blessed and highly favored. But when the party I was at last night is not as good as the party I found on Sunday morning. And the truth of the matter is, when I found out, they were partying about me. See, in the world, we're all trying to party together. But when I got to the church, they were partying over me. They were happy about me. They were celebrating about me. They were looking for me. They've been praying for me. It makes you feel different when you find out that the whole church has been waiting on your arrival. And we're here to help you make it to your next level. Let's look at verse 24. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I like that. So the party began. But I do have a problem with that verse because nowhere in the story does it say the boy died. Go back to that scripture. This is what the father said. For this son of mine was dead, but the scripture doesn't say nothing about him dying. And has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Here's the thing that you have to understand in that context. Whenever you were separated from the father and from the father's provisions, it was like you were dead. And so as long as you are disconnected from my love, it's like you don't even belong. So I'm not just celebrating you because you're back, but I'm celebrating you because it's a return to your rightful position. And there's some people out there, they're struggling right now, but the moment they get God in their life, that's when they wake up to who they really are. And so we're celebrating them because they're being reconnected to the Father and the Father's provisions. That brings us to point number three. That's our last verse, and then we're going to move the rest away through some points. Welcome back. Welcome back to your life. In my own personal life, when I walked away from God for the time that I did, what I realized was when I returned, he was right where I left. So he actually doesn't count those years you were out there messing up. When you return, he starts you right back where you're supposed to be. You don't miss a beat with God, but he cannot do what he needs to do as long as you're disconnected from him. Uh, let, let me let me do this. I just said, how many of y'all can hear me? But the reason why y'all didn't hear me, because I disconnected the sound from my vocal cords. I was, I wasn't saying nothing. So you can't hear nothing because there was a disconnection. Let, if I go back there in the fuse box and just hit one button, I can disconnect us from all of this we're seeing right now. Because there are some things you have to stay connected to to see the power that it has. And God didn't leave you. You left God. And God, all he's waiting for you to do is get close enough so I can turn the switch back on. All right. So let, let me let, let me close by this, saying this, putting up this, bring this point up. I got a question now. I almost wanted to call this prodigal father. Is it the prodigal son or the prodigal father? We know it as the prodigal son. But just today, I seen it in a new light. I almost want to call this the prodigal father. Here's the reason why. Let's let's read. Let's read this again. Let's go back to the definition of prodigal. We don't have any more verses to read. I'm just now trying to tie this thing together. Remember, it says prodigal means spending money or resources freely, recklessly, wastefully, extravagant, having or giving something. On a lavish scale. Let me read it one more time. Spending money or resources freely, recklessly, wastefully, 
extravagant, having or giving something on a lavish scale. Put this point up or this phrase up. Grace and mercy is actually lavish, reckless. It's extravagant. It's really wasteful because it's too good to be true. Because when we should receive judgment, we find the Father's love. If I told you everything I've ever done, you would say you can't be my pastor no more. If you told me everything you've ever done, I say you can't be my member no more. But the reason why we don't look like what we've done is because we got a God that's been wasteful with his grace to us. He's been reckless with his grace toward us. He's been lavish with his grace to us. He's extended mercy after mercy. His mercies are new every morning. I done messed up and God done fixed it up. I done cleaned up and God done made it better than what it should have been. I don't know why I deserve what I deserve. I don't deserve it, but God is reckless. God is awesome. God is mighty. God is more prodigal as a father than the son was. But here's something I got to add to you. The prodigal son, he ran out of money. But God don't run out of grace. He don't run out of mercy. He don't run out of his extravagant, too good to be love. And in the Hebrew, or where we get the word Greek, where we get, uh, in Hebrew, we get the word grace, it's two words. Grace in Greek comes out as charisma, charis, where we get the word charisma. The other one in Hebrew is hased. And has said means hot pursuit, which means his great is in his grace is in hot pursuit of you. So that, that, that brings us up to point number four. We're going to read point number four, and now I'm going to close with a story. So point number four: Welcome back to God's love, His grace, His mercy, and His kindness. So here's the thing that I I, I want to say to you, and, and uh, I'm going to say this, and then then I'll, then I'll tell the story. Sister Mitchell, I give you $500. And I tell you, stand at the church doors. The church is not, we're, we're, we're not open, but I feel like somebody's going to come to the door and whoever comes, I want you to give them $500. And you say, yeah, I'll do it. Cause guess what? It ain't her money. My money. But she's standing at the door and here comes Faye Baxter. But she don't like Faye. So when Faye come, she don't give Faye the money. But it wasn't her money. It was my money and my instruction. So she can't determine who gets it. I said, the first person that comes, give it to me. It's not your grace. It's not your mercy. You may not like them, but it's not up to you. It's God's grace. It's God's mercy. And if God say they can have it, they can have it. But pastor, they're gay, but it ain't your love. But pastor, they smoke dope, but it's not your love. It's not about you. It's about somebody died 2,000 years ago that everybody may have the love of the Lord. It is God's grace, it's his mercy, and freely give, freely receive, freely receive, freely we give. That's a story that, that should stick in your mind. Let me, let me, let me be non-grammatical correct. It ain't your money. Sure. It's God's grace. And so... With this season of violence that we're in, people are going to wake up. It's going to increasingly get worse until people wake up. And when they wake up, they're going to look for a place to turn. And hopefully we'll be ones with the, with the grace extended. Grace extended. All right. 
I would be done, but I'm, I'm going to add this story. This story is, has something to do with me and sis, Sister Ruthie. God taught me a lesson some years ago. I, I had a particular issue that I would every now and then slip into, and I had been doing good and had no trouble with that. I wasn't a pastor. I was just a preacher, but I believe it was, I think, Friday, Friday day, I messed up. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about something me and God was working on. I had done well. I messed up. I knew I was wrong. I repented, but I was wrong. I felt bad. I felt guilty. I felt ashamed because I, I did what I shouldn't have done. And me and God, only me and God knew about it. And Friday night was church. And I told myself, I don't, I don't want to go to church. I don't even, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need to be there because I wasn't, I wasn't right. Yeah, God loves me, but I wasn't right. I messed up. Church, I messed up and I knew I messed up. So I go to church anyway. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to sit in the back. And my plan was my dad is going to discern that something's wrong with me. He's going to ask me and I'm going to tell him, daddy, I messed up. I planned on telling him the details. So I go to church early to, to bump into him. He wasn't there. When his church, his office, he wasn't there. I go in his office and the phone rings. The phone rings. I pick it up. Sister Ruthie is on the other end. She said, I can't talk, but pray. Something to that nature. She said, pray. But in my mind, it's like, I messed up. I can't pray. But I was the only person in the church. I answered the phone the same time they were rushing her to the hospital. And she told me to pray. And so I just picked up the phone and started praying. Later on, she told me I prayed everything she was going through. I began to rebuke stuff that she hadn't told me about. I began to pray everything. And she came back later and she was like, thank you for praying for me. But I'm like, God, that could not have been me. I had messed up. How did you still use me? Because it's not about you. If you would just yield and say, God, I'm sorry. God forgets it. And God will help you be everything you need to be. It taught me a valuable lesson. If you mess up, the running away from the church is the last thing you need to do. If you mess up, run to the church and God still might use you to help somebody else. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Now we, we all going to apologize to God. Just, just do it this together. Even online, let's, if, even if you're online, just say it out loud. Say, Father God. Every time I've disconnected myself from you, you've always welcomed me back. And I want to say thank you. And I want to promise you, I'm going to welcome others back too. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, clap your hands this morning. Praise the Lamb of God. All right. I just say that uh, I love you all. God bless you. Go ahead and make sure you make make sure you just touch on love on somebody before you leave. Those of you who are online, God bless you. Have a wonderful, prosperous week. God bless you. Now, as as you guys are walking out, I'm gonna do a closing prayer for the online people. You guys can go ahead and walk out for my online audience. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Dear gracious heavenly Father, we love. The people online, God, let them be touched and blessed and let your anointing reach them where they are. In Jesus' name, amen.